Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Prayer is important, isn't it? <laughs> We're in this series called um, Everyday Prayer and I just want to give you a practical example of how, how prayer is so vital and so important. Most of you know that on a Sunday when either myself or Kaz get up to pray just before we pray, um, if Kaz is praying, I'll just put my hand on her back or if I'm praying, she just puts her hand on, on my back and just, God, nothing of Murray, all of you. She knows my flaws and she, but she asks God to bless and God to come in that moment. And just that important moment of prayer. And I mentioned before that Kaz is not well this morning and, and uh, so we'll be praying for her. But what I loved was, Rolf obviously noticed that this morning and just came up during that last song, just put his hand on my back and just prayed. Just quietly one word prayer. I love, I love the fact that this church understands the importance of prayer. That in everything, we don't do anything without God, without prayer. Simple prayer. So I appreciate, Ralph, you being aware and coming up and doing that, mate. I, I appreciate that. And it's a great model for us all. Last week, we, we, we started this series off and we spoke about changing the mindset of prayer. Remember, we talked about the fact that the Bible actually says pray without ceasing. And we all kind of went, how on earth do you do that? How do you pray 24-7? It doesn't work. I've got to work and I've got kids to look after and whatever. And then we, we, we saw that what God said through the scriptures when he's in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, the letter that Paul wrote, um, chapter 5, says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we realized that praying might look a little different to the way we first thought. It's not necessarily stopping hands together, dear Heavenly Father, but in the midst of us doing things, being aware that we have this ongoing communion, this ongoing conversation of listening and speaking to the Father. We were challenged to invite God into every area of our life in every situation and circumstance. In fact, we were challenged about making prayer the first thing. Remember, I, I said, what would it look like for you to, to make prayer the first response rather than the last resort. So, so many of us, it's like, we've tried everything else, well, let's just pray. As opposed to, this has happened, let's make prayer our first response. What would it look like for us as individuals, as a church, to do that? So, if that's the case, and we continue that series on today, and that message on today, what would it look like if the first part of your day and the last part of your day didn't start and didn't finish with a mobile phone in your hand, but started with your hands together. I'm not saying you have to pray like this, but you know what I mean, don't you? What would it look like for us to not start our day grabbing for our phone to see what's happening on social media or even to see what's happening in the news? What would happen at the end of the day for us not to look at our phone and just ch double check things before we put it on charge? But what would it look like just to even change that to the first part of my day is, God, thank you that I have another day. Thanks, God. Good morning, God. Whatever it might be for you, as you're being real and honest with God. And in the last part of the day, God, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you for what you taught me. Even that change, that change in mindset, I promise you, will do amazing things in your life. Where if pray 
without ceasing. Well, how do I do that, Murray? Well, let's start with the start and the end. And then let God fill in the middle. And then the extension of that might be, as well as the first moments and the last moments, sitting quietly with your Heavenly Father. As you leave home to go to school or work, pray first. As you're driving onto a busy highway, pray first. Some of you, I've seen you driving, you need to pray loudly and first. No names. Maybe if you're going to have a special meeting or you're reconnecting with a friend or you're just catching up with someone, what would it look like to pray first? And again, we're not talking about long, drawn-out prayers necessarily, but just, God, would you speak to me? God, what would you want me to say? How would you want me to encourage this person in this moment? Maybe it's when you sit down to help your children with homework. Pray first. God, give me patience. Or, you know, as you're lining up and you're waiting for your groceries, you pray first. All of a sudden, our lifestyle changes when prayer becomes in the forefront of our mind and not the last resort. Does that make sense? And that's how God wants us to be. That's what praying continually looks like. See, there are different types of prayers and there's different types of methods. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a couple of those. But prayer isn't just for Sundays and mealtimes. Yet, many of you know that, but if I ask you to do a little bit of self-assessment or a self-reflection, I wonder whether that's more of how your prayer life looks. Mealtimes, thanks God for this food, bless it in Jesus' name, amen. And church on Sunday, yeah, 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 I, I agree with what they're saying, amen. More than that. Timothy Keller, I mentioned a couple of books last week that I've, I've, I've used as part of a resourcing around the scriptures. And um, preacher and, and uh, theologian Timothy Keller said this about prayer. He said, prayer is a conversation. It's a personal encounter. It's a true connection with God. What if we start to see prayer that way rather than just words that we throw to the sky? So we shared the concept about this continual communion with God. However, there's a very important aspect to prayer that I want to talk about a little bit this morning. And it's about this whole idea of intentional quiet time. So as well as the everyday as we go praying, God also does call us to those moments to, to draw away, to have this intentional quiet time with him, this separation and solitude. Now, when you use those two words in today's culture, it seems like they smash against each other, doesn't it? Because today's culture is busy. Today's culture is fill, your, fill your, your calendar. Put the next thing in. Shove the next thing in. Shove the next thing in. Oh, I can't do that. I'm flat out. Even our response, how's your week been? Oh, flat out. Some of you don't even think about how your week's been. That's just the natural response you wear. It's like you wear busyness as a label. And I know this because I've been in that space and continue to be in that space sometimes. Where it's almost like a, it's almost like a, well, I'm, I'm, ha I'm, I'm almost proud to say, yeah, I'm busy. Whereas you look at the scriptures and, and Jesus talks about the importance of intentional quiet time of separation and sol sol solitude. Psalm 46 verse 10 is our core text, our core scripture today. And if you're looking for a, 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 um, a passage to memorize, and the, the Bible talks about memorizing verses, here's the, one of the most powerful um, passages you can memorize and one of the easiest. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
be still. Physically, mentally, still your mind. Spiritually, be still. And know. It doesn't say and know about. It doesn't say and be aware. He says be still and, 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 the, and the, the understanding of that word know is to know, to truly know, to embrace. Be still and know that he is God. You see, this, this prayer, this passage is a beautiful thing to pray and a beautiful thing to reflect on as we lead into prayer because it's a posture. It's the posture with which we pray. Be still and know that I am God. See, we can be still and know that God is active. In fact, let me say this to you. The, the more we are still and know that he is God, the more he is active on our behalf. Because what happens when you're still is you take your hands off. And when we take our hands off, guess who gets a chance to put his hands on the wheel and drive for you? So when we're still and know that he is God, we become less active in the physical and in the, in the, in the emotional and even maybe spiritually we're more active because we're praying, but more less active in those spaces. But we invite God then to take the wheel and to take control and he actually becomes more active. So understand, when we are still and know that he is God, God is always moving, but we give him space to become more active in our lives. But you, but I want more of God and less of me. Yeah? More of God, less of me in my life. French physicist and philosopher and actually Catholic writer, Blaise Pascal says this about this whole idea of being still. He says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. All. He says, actually all the problems of the world occur because men and women aren't prepared to sit still Let's place our faith on that with God in moments. Philosopher Dallas Willard said we must be ruthlessly, we must ruthlessly eliminate prayer from our lives. Ruthlessly eliminate. In other words, it's not just going to happen. Should I say prayer? Hurry. I'm sitting there going, there is an awkward silence right now. He didn't say prayer at all. He said, whoa, you can't believe what they teach down at Highlands. Willard said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. If Kaz was there, she'd be going. <laughs> what he's saying is, if we're not ruthless about, about stopping the hurry aspect, something will go wrong. I love this week when we're praying on the land and we were, we were praying and we were seeking God, but then there were moments where we said, let's just sit and let's seek God's voice. And there was this beautiful sense of silence as we stood together in unity. And then God started showing, revealing ideas and thoughts around things. Jesus said this. Scriptures showed us what he taught, but also how he lived. Let's look at what Jesus did. Jesus, who is the Son of God, created times to get alone with his Father. Matthew 14, 23. After sending them home, all the people he'd been ministering to, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus in the moment is saying, in the midst of everything else, and he's the son of God, he's hearing God all the time, he still made time to be alone with his father. Mark chapter 6 and verse 40, 46 says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. 
Now, we know he was never alone because he always had the Father, but he made time to get alone. Why? So that he could hear the Father's voice. See, Jesus, there were times where Jesus chose solitude over people. There were times when Jesus chose solitude over doing things. He chose solitude over tasks. He understood the concept that the sons of Korah wrote in the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. See, when we're still, when we still our mind and we still our heart and we still our body, we still our thoughts, we can hear clearly from God. And how many know sometimes God drops some, some things into our hearts and into our minds that we actually don't expect? And in, in some cases, they don't make sense in the moment. But then later on, we hear the story of what we did when we prayed that obscure prayer for those people we didn't even know and what he does. Mitch, do you want to come up? Mitch is our youth pastor. Let's encourage Mitch as he comes up. Just this week, just this week, Mitch... At, at our prayer morning, um, was, uh, was sharing a story about this, about God dropping something in. Because he stilled his heart, God dropped something in that made no sense at all. You want to share that story with us? Yeah. Um, in my last job, I live over in Kearney Spring. I don't know why God called me to Highfields, but anyway, I like <laughs> long drives now. But um, I drive out to Highfields every day for work. Um, and then I'd often see these, um, this black van, and it was just a, had a plumbing company on it, TPM Plumbing didn't mean anything to me but I just see it all the time and a few times I'd just be like feel the need to pray for I don't know the van the person inside the business whatever it was and so I just was like okay God like you know have your way in their life I hope bless them whatever it is the business the person driving it I don't really remember much of what I prayed I do remember praying for salvation if they didn't know Jesus um, but that's all I just sort of throw a prayer out there whatever it meant um, and Nothing really happened for, for months or years. That was sort of two years ago to six months ago. I probably sort of saw the van and I saw others around and stuff. I just kept seeing these TPM plumbing vans. Knew nothing, meant nothing to me, but I'd just pray for them and whatever. And then this week I made the connection that the owners of that business are actually Steph and Tom McGovern, who are now in church here, um, who have come to know Jesus in that time. Who Steph's getting baptised next week. Their kids are loving kids' ministry. It was just... <laughs> Just never know what, why God's calling you to pray for something. And so many things that we pray that you just might not know what happens. But it was just really cool to actually sort of witness what, you know, prayers and the whole story that God's doing, you know, not just a prayer I throw out there, but everything that's happening um, in the spiritual realm that so good. he can just do incredible things. Thanks, but, mate. Yeah. Be still and know that he is God. And then when he drops things like, you see something over and over again. What's the go there? Just pray for them. Something happens, dropped into your, in the middle of nowhere, you know, other situations. God drops something into your heart, something into your mind. Just pray for them. Because you don't know. See, something might have happened and, and Tom and Steph may have ended up at another church or there might have been another journey and we may have never heard the end of the story. So many, we don't hear the end of the story, but we've got to trust God with the start of the story because he starts things through prayer. Be still and know that I am God. And as we pray, and I want to encourage you to pray out loud when you pray. There is a power of, yes, we can pray and God hears our, God knows our thoughts. And yes, there is, but there is a power in the spoken word. And there's some here this morning that pray, but never really pray out loud. Can I encourage you? 
to pray out loud. Let me give you an example that might seem a little bit weird. But do you know if if I communicated with, with Kaz and I just thought, well, okay, I'll just, you know, I told her I loved her when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know, honey, you know. And I didn't communicate my love to her regularly and we didn't communicate. Our relationship would never be as close as God would want it to be. See, communication, we, Kaz and I do quite a bit of pre-marriage counselling and, and some of the things we talk more than anything else is about conflict resolution and communication. Talking to one another. How much more for us to communicate and speak out loud to our Heavenly Father and listen to Him? Now, it doesn't have to start with big prayers. You've heard me talk a lot about breath prayers. So I want to talk about breath prayers right now. Breath prayers can simply be, God, I know you're with me. Help me in this moment. Why God is a powerful breath prayer. God strengthen me. It's a powerful breath prayer. God move. It can start simply. Because remembering last week we talked about be you, be real, believe. Three things about prayer. Be you, be real, don't try and be someone else, and believe. Believe in the Father that you're praying to. That's the basis. That's, that's where we start. And then we go, okay, now I'm going to have faith to believe. and I'm going to pray these breath prayers out loud. So we've talked about the quiet times where you make time to pray. But prayer is for all times, as we've said earlier. So your prayer life anchors you to a relationship with God. Uh, many of you would see that I, I, I wear um, a, an anchor around my wrist. Um, and that, that anchor is to remind me who Jesus is in my life. Not that I should ever forget as your pastor, but in the day-to-day -day life, Jesus is the anchor for my soul. So why would I not be in regular communication with him? Prayer doesn't begin with us. Prayer begins with God. It doesn't start with a speaking. It starts with a seeing. When we start to see and know that God is real and God is with us, we can start to speak those words. But see, we've lost the art. We've lost the calling. We've lost the power of being still and know that he is God. This morning, that's what I want you to go away with. What would it look like in your day-to-day, -day, in the business of life, young kids running a business, finding moments intentionally making moments to be still and know that he is God. Because i got to tell you, when you do, he's going to show you things. He's going to breathe life into situations and circumstances. He's going to become your first response and not your last resort. He's going to become the king of kings he wants to be. You're going to allow him into spaces and places you've never let him in before. Because you're in this conversation with him where he'll show you. John G. Lake, who was a faith healer, missionary in the early 1900s, he said this, he said, there's a lot of difference between saying prayers and praying. Do you know what I think the difference is? Be still and know that I am God. We can, we can, we can, we can pray like this, or we can pray like this. And the difference is, we're not trying to fit God into our day to day, we're just finding those moments. Be still in the middle of a conflict might be, God, you're with me. Give me peace. Or it might be, I'm going to set aside for five or ten minutes and I'm just going to spend, or an hour, and I'm going to spend time with him. Be still and know that I am God. 
James chapter 4 and verse 2 says this. It says, you do, not, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. I wonder whether that's because we don't ask him because we just don't make time to ask him. And then the wrong motives is we're so busy caught up with what we're doing, we never stop to go, God, show me your will as we pray. So Murray, how then do I pray? What does that look like? In the time that remains, help us to understand what the scriptures say about not formulas because God's not into formulas. What's some models? What's some starting point? You gave us be real, be you, believe. What's some stuff this week that we can start to work on and go, what's a model that I can, I can try that will help me on the journey? Here's an easy one. As you start to pray, think about up, in, out. If you're taking notes, I'll say it slower. Up, in, out. When I got shown this, it changed my prayer life. Because sometimes I almost run out of things to, to pray. But if we start with upward prayer and just make it all about worship, make it about our relationship with God, thanking God for who he is and what he's done, thanking him for his blessings on our life, thanking for what he graciously gives us, giving him praise and thanksgiving, focusing on God. What it does is it starts to change our heart and our mind from us to him. It's almost like the start of prayer, this upward prayer, is we go back to understanding and pray in awe. God, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. God, thank you for giving me another day. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the health of my children. Thank you for my beautiful grandchild. You are king of kings. You see, once we start to be thankful, then we start to call him out for who he is. You're the Lord of all. You created the heavens and the earth. You're for me, not against me. Upward prayer. And then once we've done that, then there's this time of inward. I've got to say that as I was preparing this, I felt like God say, my people don't do this enough. Catch this. The inward prayer is this self-examination. It's this moment where you go, God, show me the areas of my life. But it doesn't stop there. Because it's not about condemnation. Because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So God, show me the areas of my life that maybe you're not happy with. And then the next step is, and then confessing them. So the inward part of prayer is self-examination and confession. That bringing that sense of, a deep sense of the power that sin can have on our lives. But this higher experience of the grace and assurance God has. Do you get that? So recognizing I'm blowing it in this area, but then going, but God, you are gracious and you are holy, so I want to confess. I'm so sorry that I got involved in that gossip at work today. He'll show you. So sorry for the way that I got involved in that gossip today. Sorry for the way I blew it and I just got angry in that situation. And, and then being real about confessing your sin. Timothy Keller describes it this way. He says, free forgiveness comes at an infinite cost. See, we have free forgiveness, but Jesus died on the cross so that we can live a life of fullness and freedom. But our role in the midst of that, people say, well, it's all done. Yes, it is all done, but we have a role to play. Confess your sins to God and he's, great, he's, he's just to forgive us our sins, to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Faithful and just is our God. 
So he wants us to continue to come to him. Psalm 51 verse 1 says this. It's a, it's a prayer that David prays, a prayer of repentance. Have mercy on me, O God. This is David crying out to his God. This is a prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. David is spending time saying, I'm coming to you, God. Forgive me. When was the last time in your prayers that this inward prayer of self-reflection and confession came? See, God is a God of pardons. He's merciful and he's forgiving. Yet this divine mercy can't be taken for granted. God is forgiving, but he's also holy. And he won't let the wicked and the unjust go without punishment. You and I, those of us this morning who accepted Jesus into our life, Jesus became our punishment. If you've never accepted Jesus, you don't have to carry the pain of sin. You don't have to carry the pain of what you've done in the past anymore. Jesus came to set you free. And then he says, will you continue to stay in that beautiful place when you accept me? Come back to that beautiful place of freedom by coming to me and confessing your sins to me. The good news is we don't have to go via somebody else. We just confess to the God who is close, the God who is personal. See, Bible says God forgives when we confess our sin. John, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you get that? When we confess our sins, he forgives. So I'm, pro I'm pressing into this area because I don't know that we, the church, talk enough about, yes, we are saved and set free, but we have a responsibility to keep coming back to God and saying, God, cleanse me. God, show me an area in my life that I may be having an attitude right now. Cleanse me of that. Bring me back into right sand. Bring me back, as the Bible says, to white as snow. And he does. He promises he will continue to do that if we not just speak the words but repent in our hearts. 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2, that the letter continues and John goes on immediately and he says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we do fall short, because we do. Jesus is sitting by the side of the Father. And he's saying, hey, that's Murray, that's your son. And so when I come to him and say, God, I'm so sorry I blew it. I got into that, go that gossip conversation. I'm so sorry I blew it. I looked at that thing I wasn't supposed to look at. I'm so sorry. And God helped me move forward with that. So it's not just sorry, <laughs> move on, keep doing it. Turn around. Jesus, the advocate, says, see, this is, this is why I died. So that you can have this beautiful relationship with the Father and the Son. If we confess and we forsake our sin, if we, we repent from our sin, if we turn around, if we put it another way, if we admit and reject, admit, that's what repentance is, admitting what we did was wrong and then rejecting that life, rejecting that way. God goes, brand new. Brand new. Breathes his life. It's like I remember, I remember some, someone explaining this to me once and they said, it's like, you know, you go to God and you say, God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for what I did. That anger, the way I spoke in anger, that was so wrong. Would you forgive me? Forgive me, God, and help me not to do that again. And then you walk away. And then you come back maybe 10, 15 minutes later in prayer and say, hey, God, remember when, when I did that? And, I did, and God goes, no, what are you talking about? You did what? 
Bible says God casts the sin as farther east. When we, when we repent, he casts it as farther east as from the west. He forgets. Did you know that? God doesn't look and go, oh, yeah, but you know, you know when you did that? It is dealt with. This is the power of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. This is why prayer, upward, you are so good. Inward, God, forgive me. Bring me back to that right thing. It's so, so powerfully important. And then the third part, upward, inward, outward, is just that, okay, this is where we start to pray for others. Pray for others. Pray for the church. Pray for our neighbors. Pray for the world. Pray for the needs of others. Upward, inward, outward. You want a model? There's a simple model that will help you on your journey of prayer. Now, there's so many others. There's so many others. Next week, we're going to look at another model of prayer. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Maddie Wiedemann's going to come and she's going to, she's going to actually take verse by verse what the Lord's Prayer means. What does it mean? What was Jesus teaching when, they said, when he said, pray like this? What did he mean? I'm not going to go any further because I'll take what she's going to say. Powerful. Another way we can pray is we can pray scriptural prayer. We can actually pray the word of God over ourselves. The Psalms is really a book of prayer. The book of Psalms, which is kind of in the, around about the middle of your Bible, is, is a book of prayers. I've, I've read one already where David cried out. But, you know, you, you might pray, God, give me godly wisdom. Scriptures talk about seek godly wisdom. God, not my ways, but your ways. Jesus, you came to set the captives free. We're reminding God of his word. We're, pre- we're praying the word of God over our lives. God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when you pray before you read, God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What's that saying? It's saying, God, show me. Show me. Lead me. Direct me. But you're praying scripture. That's why it's important to know the word. Go on the journey of starting to understand God's word. And then when you pray it, Chris and I was talking about this before the service. When you pray the word of God, it's almost another way of memorizing it. Because you're praying, you're speaking it out. You're reminding God of his word, his truth. And you're praying it over our lives. See, that was the cue for, for Chris to come up. I said, I'm going, to talk about, I'm going to talk about praying scripture. He said, oh, I love that. And we had this little conversation. So that's why I knew he was going to come up and pray, play about now. See, this is where it gets holy now that Chris is playing. Everything I've been saying up until now is good, but now it's like, whoa. Pray scripture. <laughs> Pray the Lord's Prayer. Then there's spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the year. Another way that we can pray where we can take authority over principalities and powers. You know, And there's been some stuff going on over these last few weeks as we've been praying on the land where we've just been, God, you reign and you rule. And we, we battle not against flesh and blood, the, the scriptures say, but principalities and power. So we know there's an enemy who's going to come and try and rob and kill and destroy. And even if you talk to these guys about the week they've had leading up to dedicating, little Matthias, where, where the enemy will just try and, try and rob. We say, no, no more. Because we have victory in Jesus, amen? We have victory in Jesus, amen? So we have spiritual, so we can pray spiritual, we can pray spiritual warfare. And in Ephesians, we can look and, and unpack what the Bible says about the weapons that we wear in Ephesians chapter 6, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. That's another message for another day, but that's another way we can pray. We can pray protection. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. See, this is the good news. 
We hear that and we go, oh, I'm getting, what, if, what if the enemy tries to have a go at me? Father, in the name of Jesus, cover me with the blood of the Lamb. Cover my family. Protect me. See, the enemy doesn't realize it, but the battle's won. We have victory in Jesus' name. And this church, we stand on the victory of Jesus who died and rose again, who didn't stay in the grave but came out of the grave, who walks in victory. That's the Jesus we worship because we get to walk in that same victory. And the other way that we can pray, we should pray in every prayer, is we pray in Jesus' name. See, that's where the power lies. Power doesn't lie in Murray being very articulate. Doesn't even doesn't even lie in me, me reminding God of the scriptures, although that's powerful. The power lies in the name of Jesus. In my name, the enemy will bow. In Jesus' name, the enemy flees. You see, Jesus gives us victory. So when we pray, in Jesus' name, is not like a nice little tie-off. Last week I said, amen, is not hanging up. And when we pray, I don't go, in Jesus' name, amen. And it's like, oh, we're hanging up now. We talked about amen. Amen actually means yes, we agree. We continue with this. That's why prayer is ongoing. It's never, there's never a hang-up with prayer. Well, in Jesus' name, is not, not just a nice little byline at the end. That's where the power of our prayer comes. Because of who Jesus is and what he did. When he died on the cross and rose again, we get to stand on the name and the blood of Jesus that brings power for forgiveness. So when we pray, why don't you, next time you pray and you pray and you're finishing your prayer or even in the middle of your prayer, when you pray in the name of Jesus, don't pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Pray in the name of Jesus. Powerful name. Mighty name. The name above all names. The one who brings victory. The one who come to set us free and continues to live. The one who is alive. The name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Chris Hodges in his book that I referred to last week says, God honours bold prayers because bold prayers honour God. I love that. God, I'm going to come, with, come to you with the little things. But I'm going to come to you with the big things. I'm going to come and say, we believe that God is going to hear. God, we believe you're going to open a door that seems slammed shut. God, we believe that you're going to bring restoration to marriages. God, we believe that those, those who are, um, addi those addictions, broken in the name of Jesus. So many other religions in the world, but none serve a living God. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, Never be lacking, I love this. You wonder why we get passionate in prayer. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, keep your spiritual service serving God. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. To love how Paul, he's writing in church in Rome. He says, keep your zeal, keep your fervor. Be passionate. That's why we passionately serve. That's why we passionately worship. That's why we, if you'd seen us this morning praying, we passionately pray. We keep the zeal of God. Let me finish just with a reminder that I might have mentioned last week. Do you know that there's two things that God's, God collects, the scriptures say? In Revelation, it talks about this. Two things God collects. 
collects their tears. What a beautiful picture. What he's saying is, I know, I know when you grieve. I know when you're hurting. He says, I collect your tears. I, I know you so intimately that I collect. This is how much I love you. He collects our tears. And scriptures say he collects our prayers. In other words, not one prayer that you have prayed from the God help to the hours on your knees for your children. He's heard every one of them. He's heard every one of them. And he's promises to answer every one of them. Now they may, he may not answer them the way we want them answered. And that's another story for another day. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes wait. But his promise is he hears our prayers. So this morning, my encouragement to you is go on the journey of prayer with God, wherever you're at in your faith journey. If you're a committed Christian who's been praying for years and years and years, can I ask you to step up your faith? I asked somebody recently, I said, how much of the fullness of God do you think you've experienced? You know, the scriptures talk about the fullness of God. And they went, oh, I don't know. God's a pretty big God. And I said, well, what if, what if it was... What if it's 20%? You experience 20% of the fullness of God. Then there's 80% of God that he still wants to reveal to you. And he doesn't want to hold back. Now, the truth is we probably will never experience the fullness of God until we're standing with him in glory. But he wants to reveal more. Guess what the best two ways there can be for us to experience more of the fullness of God? One is being in his word. And the other is being with him in prayer. Be still and know that He is God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can sit in this moment knowing the truth of who You are. You're not a God who's far away, but a God who is right here in our midst. So, Father, we thank You. We give You glory and we give You honour that you are a God who is for us and not against us, that you're a God who has plans and purposes for our lives. Father, forgive us for anything that might be blocking your voice into our lives. Any sin, forgive us, Lord. We repent. We bring those to you. Show us the areas that you want us to be specific to bring to you. We pray that you would move in a powerful way. And while we're in this moment of prayer, one of the things that this church prays continually about is for you. Whether it's your first time here, we, we still pray for you. Maybe not by name, but we seek God to say, God, would you come alive in people's hearts? And as I've been talking about this God that is personal, you may have never thought to ask God to come into your heart to lead you. You've never thought about having this personal relationship where you can talk to and hear from Jesus. Well, I want to invite you into a time where you can ask him to come into your heart. I had somebody do this for me. They shared with me about the love of Jesus in this personal relationship and then led me in a simple prayer. Well, actually showed me a simple prayer via a book. I want to lead you in a simple prayer for that's you today. Maybe you've, you've never really prayed to God or maybe you have, but it was a long time ago. It's time for you to come back to him or to come to him for the first time. Could I pray for you as we lead into this new season, this new opportunity, this new season for you and God where you get to know him? He gets to know 
he gets to show, he knows you, but he gets to show you who he is. If that's you, if you want to accept Jesus right now, if you want to, want to, want to experience this personal relationship more than you've ever experienced before, can I pray for you? In the quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just show me who I'm praying for? Just raise your hand. Awesome. I see you. I see those hands. That's awesome, guys. So good. Hands going up all over the place. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus is coming. He sees you. He sees your response and he says, I've been calling you. He says, I've been knocking at the door of your heart. It's time now to respond and you have. There's nothing better than when we respond to Jesus. The Bible says the angels rejoice in heaven when one heart turns to Jesus. Is there anyone else before I pray? People saying, I want, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. So good. So good. Just before we pray, can we just encourage those people who've said, I need Jesus? Awesome. So it's simply this. Church, I'm going to ask for all of us to pray. Just Let's just bow our heads close. We've got to all pray this together. I encourage you to pray. If you've raised your hand or maybe if your heart is just beating so quickly right now and you know you need Jesus, you haven't missed it, you haven't missed it, just pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you died for me and you rose again that I might have a personal relationship with God. Forgive me for ignoring you in the past, for doing things my way. I now lean to you. You're my Lord and you're my Saviour. I trust you. Show me your ways. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.